When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast, part of the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Check out all their awesome basketball shows today at hoopheadspod.com. another episode of the lakers fast break podcast it's gerald glassford coming right back at you here from lakers fast break pop culture cosmos inside sports fantasy football and game source we truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows and if you can please give us a five star review on apple Podcasts. plus if you can like share subscribe follow or do anything that you can to support us right here at the lakers fast break lakerholics.com the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, and everywhere that we are at on social media. Of course, all good friends as well, Mr. Rafael Barlow at the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast, which I was on earlier this week, which I'll talk about t- just a sec, is extremely appreciated. Well, we just finished NBA Game 5, the NBA Finals Game 5. That's wrapped up and in the books, and quite a game. You know, for an NBA observer out there who just is observing the game and you want to go ahead and take a look at a game that maybe just kind of defines what the NBA Finals is all about, I think this is a good representation of that. Back and forth right there for you. One has a big lead. The other has a big lead. One comes back. The other one comes back. I wonder if Taco Bell is going to distribute the Doritos Loco Tacos because there was a comeback. Maybe they should put out two because there was not one but two big comebacks. So maybe they deserve to go ahead and give us two Doritos Loco Tacos because it was such a great game because there was two great comebacks. But unfortunately for the Phoenix Suns and their fans, it was all for naught as a great comeback in the fourth quarter fell to the wayside on some mistakes in the last 30 seconds and some great hands by Drew Holiday and Giannis Attentacumpo coming out in the clutch as all three of the Milwaukee Bucks, the stars that they have, Attentacumpo, Middleton, and Drew Holiday were the answer today as they won in Phoenix, 123 to 119, taking a three to two game lead in the best of seven with game six coming up, I believe on Tuesday in Milwaukee. And here today to talk about the game are three great guests. Indeed. First up, it's the man himself behind Lakerholics.com. It is Laker Tom. We've already got Felix. How are you, Albert? I hope you're doing well as well, my friend. Great to have everyone here. Thank you so much. I want to go ahead and say Laker Tom. 
Felix is saying go Dodgers. You know, Laker Tom, it's go Yankees. With me, it's go Angels. So right now, I think it's probably the Dodgers doing best out of all three. <laughs> Be that as it, it ain't the Yankees. And it ain't the Angels, that's for sure. But Albert's already picking the Bucks, going to be champions. L. Rob is here. There is an L. Rob signing as well, so we'll have him up there. I know everybody's been asking for L. Rob. He has returned to us. So first up, it is going to be Laker Tom. Laker Tom, great to have you back. A man who is very gracious in allowing me and Raphael to go ahead and roast him on a very popular and very well appreciated Locked On NBA Draft podcast. But Laker Tom, great to have you here. Your thoughts on the game. To me, it came down to all three of the Milwaukee Bucks stars, Drew Holiday, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Chris Middleton, all picking up their game, all doing it on the road when they have to, because on the road, you need all your stars, and that's exactly what they got. Well, most of the time, at least in these playoffs, we haven't seen teams with three stars have all three stars, you know, hitting every cylinder in the game. And that's what happened tonight. It was just an overwhelming situation. And and basically they took, they took a great first punch from the Suns. Um, <laughs> I had actually fallen behind and didn't get the game started in time. And so I'm watching the game and, and it's up this thing. It's 37 to 21 at the end of the first quarter. That's okay if you have YouTube TV. Yeah, so I had, a, I had a pause on it. I had a pause on it to go finish dinner. I came back in a few minutes and hit the uh, refresh button, and it took me to live, 59 to 59. I was like, whoa, what happened here? So uh, give the uh, give the Bucks credit. You know, I think it, it's when you look at the at the Bucks players, you've got you've got a, an extreme veteran in in. Um, that point guard, you've got an extreme veteran and superstar in Giannis. You've got, you know, a guy in Middleton who's just scoring like crazy, um, seemed unstoppable at times, you know. Um, there, I, th- I, th- I think that you look at the other side of the coin and you've got, yeah, you've got Chris Paul, um, but then you've got basically two youngsters, you know, Uh even Booker's though you say that he's been year. a star for all of these years, Booker is still, this is his first playoffs. Aiton is 22 years old. I mean, these are two kids that are not even barely old enough to, to drink. And, and they're going up against three veterans playing at the height of their game. You know, um, I think all of that overwhelmed the home court advantage. They took that punch. They got the lead. And at that point in time, it, it was, it was, practically impossible for the Suns to have enough to catch up because they could not stop them down the stretch. They couldn't get the stops that they needed to to be able to be successful. So, you know, when you have a big offensive game like that from Holiday, as well as all of the other things he contributes like that, clutch steal and clutch assist to, to put the game away. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, I would have to say the Bucks are in the driver's seat for sure. 73% of the time, the team that goes ahead 3-2 to two ends up winning a series. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens indeed. Funny, someone in here picked Milwaukee in six. Wonder who that was. But uh, I will say this. That was me. But I will say this. I, I disagree with you on the Booker's not ready enough comment because he's been in the league seven years. 
He's also played four rounds of NBA playoffs yeah. basketball. Two more finals. Do you think he'll be readier? Well, no, because the fact <laughs> is, the fact is, there was nobody no, around him. Experience counts. In this case, no. Counts. He has no. None of them have NBA finals experience outside of Jay Crowder. And if that's the case, somebody should have actually been on the outside to help him when he got stopped right there. But just before he got it stripped, he was looking for someone on the outside and there was no one there. So that's that to me is more of an issue of everybody else around him not having that experience to be at least somewhat on the three point line. When well, he's he has, also he's also was overly emotional at several points. Oh, yeah. He, but he the argues, refereeing really bother him showed just basically showed a young player. I mean. The guy is supremely talented. Don't you know? I mean, he kept them the in the game. Thing, he's the closest thing of the Kobe acolytes that that has well, a chance let me, to become let me put a great it to this, player. To, to show you how incorrect you are on Booker, I mean, they were ahead by 16 in the first quarter with Booker. They sit him down along with Giannis, and they went on a 16, you know, not a 16 nothing run, but they went on such a run they just swallowed up that 16 point lead in the second quarter. Yeah, I know. With, with Booker on the bench. So anybody who tells me that in regards to Booker's inexperience, that right there tells me that <laughs> he played the entire 40 plus minutes. Very experienced to me. It's just in that last 30 seconds, the execution by all of the Phoenix Suns, including Chris Paul including Devin Booker, including everyone else, was extremely poor. And that, to me, was the fact that right there, there was a difference. That last 30 seconds, you got to have everybody around you executing in the right fashion. You have a setup of plays where Milwaukee is supposed to have someone out of the three-point line at all times. That's the way the NBA is. The one time you don't have someone set out there to help out Booker right there when he got stuck in the lane, that, you know, that made it just easier for Drew Holiday to strip him, and there you go. So, uh, again, it, it doesn't matter at this point because Milwaukee is going to take the lead home to Milwaukee on Tuesday. But also as well to talk about the game as a good man indeed, you got to join his medium.com site right there for you, basketball-university. It is Spencer Young. Spencer, great to have you here as well. Your first, your first podcast with the L-Rob legend himself. I am so happy that you two finally are on the same cast together. I think you've been on with Jamie Sweet before, so my condolences on that. But he's somewhere in New York. In fact, he tried to call me earlier this week, and it was like, and I sound like an alien calling me, so actually I hung up on him. So, But I'm sure he'll probably bother me at some point down the line. But Spencer, your thoughts on today's game? Really, it came down to execution in that last minute. And for the first half of the 30 seconds, it was all Phoenix. But unfortunately, the second half was all Milwaukee. Yeah, I think um, the two of you touched on some good points. I think, you know, when Booker is sitting at, during the second quarter, I, I thought the Suns couldn't really generate great offense. So that's why there's a huge comeback by Phoenix. And I agree. Um, you know, that last play by Booker, they ran what you call like a 1-4 flat, except when Booker drove, Chris Paul was behind him, and there's no way that Booker is going to make that pass to Chris Paul. And after that, he had really no outlets, and so that was just a really smart play by Drew Holiday. Um, I did. I get why Chris Paul fouled Giannis on the alley oop, but in hindsight, obviously there was no open. There, there should have been someone on the on the wing at the three point area, right where he needed to be. And unfortunately, right. like yeah, that's what he was looking for. When uh -huh. his head popped up to look for it, that's what he was looking for, and it wasn't there. 
that's when he got stripped. Yeah, and then and then obviously it's a two on one with Drew Holiday and Giannis against Chris Paul. It ended how you expect it to end, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean some some good execution, some bad execution on both sides. I thought. Uh, well, Phoenix Phoenix actually shot tremendously well, like as a team. I thought they're all most of their role players played well, but a lot of it just came down to the fact that when Devin Booker's not on the court or not controlling the offense, they really don't generate the same quality of looks, I think. Yeah, well, you're telling me how well they shot. In fact, both teams shot extremely well, but let me ask you this, Spencer, before I hit it to the L-Rob man himself. How do you shoot 68% from three-point area, 55% overall, 90% from the free throw line, and lose? Uh, okay, well, well, obviously you let Chris Middleton – Drew Holiday and Giannis dominate, but I mean they weren't great. They weren't very good defensively. I didn't think uh, they went zone for a couple of looks. It wasn't great. You know they they didn't really control the offensive board and they committed a, a lot of fouls and that's been a problem for I think three games running now. So those are the two things that they really need to fix if they want to stop the stun. Uh, absolutely, and they've only got one more game to do it. Yeah, that's the case. If they've got to go ahead, and now the urgency is there. They've managed to lose three straight, but also here today to talk about what's going on with Game 5, and a critical Game 5 it was. Oh, actually, a very good from NBA observer standpoint. As an NBA fan, I thought it was an excellent game. The comebacks were great. The excitement was there. The crowd was hot. You couldn't ask much more outside of maybe LeBron actually not sitting at the game, watching game. You would actually like him participating in the Lakers jersey in the game. But outside of that, great man is here indeed. He returns to us after many calls by our fans out there to go ahead and come back. <laughs> it is a man with the Detroit Red Wings hat on. It is L. Rob. And L. Rob, great to have you back, my friend. And first off, let me be the first to say on this show – a hearty congratulations to you and your future missus who said yes. So I'm very, very happy to say I'm just so thankful for everything that's gone on, you coming back to us, and, of course, my wholehearted congratulations. Thank you. Thank you, Gerald. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, as an NBA fan, when you see games like this, it really gets your adrenaline flowing. It is, uh, I mean, this the game that we, you know, we've all fell in love with, played at the highest level. So I, I just couldn't. I had to talk to someone about it. So I was like, let me let me see if I can join the podcast tonight. So <laughs> when uh, Monty Williams at the end of the last game, he said, we beat ourselves, guys. It's all correctable. We gave up 20 more shots. So tonight they both had the same number of shots. He said um, we had too many turnovers tonight. Milwaukee actually had three more turnovers than Phoenix. So they corrected all of the things, uh, most of the things that Monty talked about. The boards were pretty even. They didn't get beat up on the boards. But this is a Drew Holiday we've been waiting on, right, guys? I mean, you guys are in Southern California. You're out there in Pac-12 uh, country. You've seen Drew way longer than I've been seeing him. This is the guy that I knew. This is the guy that i seen defend Dame Dollar and take down Portland and those guys years ago. This is the one I've been waiting to see who can play defense and score the ball and run the show. People talking about he's not an effective point guard. He can do that. He can do everything. There's nothing on the basketball court Drew Holiday can't do. Now, can he do it consistently at the elite level like some of the other guys? Maybe not, but he certainly 
better than he's shown so far in, to me in the playoffs. So this is what I was waiting on. This was the Drew Holiday game. How many guys are going to go in there and risk fouling Devin Booker? Well, I mean, game's on the line. You're up one point. I mean, he go in there and he get arm or something. You know, people are looking at him like crazy because you had him stop. He didn't have anywhere to go. But Drew, I mean, he went in there and took the gamble. And then he threw an alley-oop. I mean, I mean, yeah, he's going to Giannis, so you really have to throw overthrow him to, to not execute that. But still take guts to not just hold the ball and, you know, and to play a little more conservative. So I was, I was really happy for him. From all I know, he's such a good guy. So I was just really – and I'm, I've been a fan of his, so I'm just really happy to see him have his best game at this moment. This will be a game, and some of those plays will be plays that people will be talking about. 20 and 30 years from now, Bucks fans will be talking about that like they talk about Kareem Skyhook and some of the other big players in, 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 in Bucks history. So great game, like you said, Gerald, for Phoenix to shoot nearly 70% from the three. I'm going to go out on a limb and say no team has ever shot 55% from the field, nearly 70% from 3.9, and, and, and lost in the NBA Finals. Or in the playoffs. I mean, that's that's unheard of. But Milwaukee was that good. You guys talked about the big three, but I mean, Pat Connaughton's out there. He's knocking down shots. Yep. Uh, Lopez was decent. I mean, he filled in his role. Bobby Porter's hitting corner threes and out there scrapping. So basically, Milwaukee played about as good a game as they could play. So if they would have still somehow lost that game, that would have been crushing for them. So. Um, just a just a great great game, and and so, as someone who was rooting for the Bucks, I, I was happy to see them pull it out. Absolutely, I know Albert Torquero is asking about Westbrook, and also as well talking about Spencer Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie again, he uh, recently on a podcast I think and talked about how he's looking for at minimum, minimum. He was talking I think twenty five a million a year. I think that's what he was looking for, and he would settle. I think in the right circumstances at 20 million years. So people have to be aware, teams have to be aware if that's what his asking range is for someone coming off an ACL who doesn't shoot three pointers. Well, wanted to say that's, you know, we've talked about it on the show that it's kind of a risky play there. If the team wants to go ahead and continue to do that, but Laker Tom, we'll talk about Russell Westbrook because he, Albert is also asking about Russell Westbrook here in a minute, but Laker Tom, uh, again, to close out our conversation on the NBA Finals here, as it shifts over to Game 6, do you think this is all but over at this point? No, I don't think so. You know, um, it just depends. There's two possible trends. One trend, obviously, is the team that jumps off to a two-game lead and gets swept over the next six, next four games. Um, and that could very well happen. They're going back in Milwaukee. You know, you have to, if you're the Suns, think that, you know, you could be up you know, this series could be over. You could have won this series. You lost two games that were winnable games, you know. And a lot of it was clutch veteran play at the end of the game, you know, in each situation. So it just depends on how quickly the players adjust, how badly they want it, and uh, the bounce of the basketball. But it's definitely within the realm of reality, 27% of the teams who are down 2-3 came back to win the championship. So that's still not bad odds. And I think like any time you look in these games, it comes down to the stars having great games and, and the people, the guys like Connington, draining those threes. I mean, he has been just deadly in the threes. 
it's been a it's been a great series for anybody who wasn't just dedicated to wanting to have big market teams in there because the quality of basketball has been been outstanding. The quality of clutch shots that these guys are making, the consistency of great offense beating great defense—it's everything that a good fan of modern basketball want. Yeah, absolutely, a great game. And uh, I know Spencer, you again, you pointed out some very great things out there as far as what was going on. But Game Six—if you're Phoenix, you've got to be deflated at this point again because you, as L. Rob and I both pointed out, you shot so well as a team. I mean. You can't ask for much better than that. 50, 60, and 90 from the field and from the line is incredible. And to lose shooting that well, that's got to be a heartbreaker heading into Milwaukee for game six. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, going going to Milwaukee, that that's going to be a tough, tough task. Because you, you already know, like, the atmosphere, if, if the Suns arena was, was rocking um, – you know, the, the arena in Milwaukee is going to be just as loud. And, yeah, obviously all the pressures on them. And, you know, like you blow a game like that, it's it, it can make or break a team, I guess. So I guess if Phoenix is really a championship team, we'll, we'll see it in game six. But if not, I mean, you, you blew the you blew the 16-point lead and you blew the 2-0 series lead. Absolutely. I agree with you on that. I mean, we'll see what Phoenix is made up. You know, they they never have no one to look at but else but themselves. Their constant mistakes, turnovers in game four was an issue. They've had that game, and they had a chance to go ahead and really do a number in both games three and game four. They had their opportunities. But L-Rob, before we go ahead and head on Russell Westbrook real quick, because I want to touch on that, please let me know your final thoughts on this game and what you're looking forward to from game six. Because you, as a, if you're a Phoenix Suns fan, you really can't get better than how you played on everywhere else except for the defense. Yeah. Um, like Spencer said, that, that final play call was the 1-4 flat, and that's uh, – man, they had just scored, what, the last two? They they got Booker on a on good curl, and he hit the three, I believe, um, to cut it from six to three. That was a good play call and an incredible shot. I thought he was kind of gassed. And for him to still be able to have enough uh, to, to hit that three. And then Chris Paul, I believe, came back and, and had a good ISO and went to the basket for a bucket. Yeah, I don't know about just clearing it out for him on that last play call. But, I mean, it's easy to second guess. That's hindsight. As far as to look for, uh, it's going to be crazy, man. It's, Phoenix will really, really have to. I mean, to me, they got the benefit of the whistle uh, um, in some games. They've been getting away with being a little more handsy. And I can't see them being able to get away with some of that in Milwaukee. So, yeah. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, Booker's been able to get away with fouls both in Phoenix and Milwaukee. Yeah. I mean, he had his arm. I mean, he had his body. He had his arm wrapped around Middleton. It's like, come on, bro. Um, But, yeah, but it's going to be – Milwaukee's going to be – the atmosphere is going to be sky high. You got Chris Paul, though. You got a vet. He, I mean, I'm glad he played well. I would hate to see him have another bad game. But he have 11 assists, one turnover, or at least one he was credited to. He may have had, you know, really realistically maybe two or three. But I was glad. I don't want to see him play bad and, and have the pressure of why they lost because he didn't play decent. He played well tonight, so that was good. But it's going to be up to him to calm them and just to kind of keep them in there. But they, I mean, you don't get to the finals without having some fight. 
And as well as as we talking about Phoenix shot the ball well, I mean Milwaukee shot it great too. So will they continue to shoot it great? Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, just turn, just turn the line, they struggled from the line, but that's obviously a, a yeah. But still, fifty for seven percent from the field, fifty from the three. You can't argue with that as well. But I think your prediction will come to uh, fruition. I think they'll Milwaukee will wrap it up in six and. Uh, then we can move forward and really start looking forward to the rest of the, the draft and uh, free agency and all that good stuff. Yeah, that one is what I'm really looking forward to. And hopefully they'll go ahead and finish it off. Prove myself right. Prove Jamie right. Oh, my gosh. That will be the hard part for Laker Tom to swallow is that both Jamie and I will be right. So, yes, uh, go, go ahead, Tom. Go ahead. I'll unmute you now. You got to root for a game seven. Uh, I won't be rooting for a game seven. No. I know ABC will be rooting for Game 7, but that's just because ratings are up as per last year, from last year. So It's a strange year. It's a strange year. Two teams that probably ain't going to get back into the finals for another decade. Why not have a Game 7? Why not? Why not? But you know what? Six sounds fine. (laughs) Six sounds fine to me. Six sounds fine to me. But, guys, there's still more to talk about on today's program. As soon as the Game 7 is over, there's no more basketball. Till October, man. Well, no, because there's Olympics, then there's Summer League, and then there's... We can't go to baseball, not with our teams. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Again, there's still basketball. You just got to find it. Got to search out for it. The Olympics are coming. And we'll talk about one of Laker Tom's most favorite players who just got selected on the team here in a second. But I want to hit you up with this because it was asked by in our chat from Albert. To Garrow, he asked about Russell Westbrook. I know Russell Westbrook's a name, Laker Tom, that you and Spencer have both thrown around a little bit. But if you want to commit to him as a third star on your team, A, he doesn't shoot well, and B, correct me if I'm wrong, with what he is per year, you do become hard capped if that's the case, and you trade all your assets for him in return. No, you, I don't. If if I'm can not you mistaken, get away with it? If I'm not mistaken, he has two years left on his contract or at least yeah. a year and an option. Yeah. So he, he's a tradable. He, you can get him without a sign and trade. <laughs> okay. But no, I mean, as I far mean as... obviously, obviously it's impossible to, to do a, to receive a sign and trade player making yeah. more than 22 million a year, because the only way you can do that, he, he makes 40, 46 million, I think. Yeah, so I'm so that's what I'm saying. How much in the he, assets no, he, do we he have? He can't enough? do that. He's automatically over the you're automatically over the hard cap. It'd be an illegal trade. 
but you don't have to hard cap to get him because uh, he's he's got a contract. He's under contract. You just okay, have so to give Washington the assets. You know, yeah, so you got twenty six million dollars with uh, Kuzma and KCP. Uh, you sign Harrell for fourteen million dollars. That's gets you up to forty million. And that's a trade. Good God. Uh, yes. All right. And it's a good way for Harold to get more money than he'd normally get. You know? Yeah. Because uh, the Lakers want, I mean, the Lakers assuming that they actually would do this, want Westbrook and feel that he could, they can win with him. Yeah. And at the same token, Washington would love to get something for Westbrook and get out of the contract. Absolutely. What That would be just so great. I can't wait. Well, but yes, it can be done. But it can yeah, be done. It can be done. It can be done. It's just going to create a, a little bit of uh, salary cap gymnastics, as we were. So. Well, it's going to create what's called luxury taxes. Well, Spencer, let me ask you this: Would you be interested if Russell Westbrook falls our way? Not at all. I mean, you know, I I, I posted like a link to one of my articles on Lakerholics, and I had someone commenting on the fact that LeBron making $41 million a year was going to create, like, salary cap issues. So, you know, you, you add in another $41 million in Russell Westbrook, who <laughs> he's old, he's getting older, too, and yeah. he's, his production's declining. So, yeah, the salary cap issues would be bad. Um, I think you have to cater a team to Russell Westbrook, and we're not going to cater to him, obviously. No, he'd be the number three on our team. And the thing is, do you want to make a guy who has to have the ball so much and cannot shoot well? Yeah, you need, you know. you need a team who has who gives him the ball, spaces the floor, and plays like good perimeter defense to make up for. You yeah, know, he's slowing down on that, and and I, I just think he, even at best, like let's put aside salary cap concerns. I I think his skill set is just too much overlap with LeBron. I think what LeBron does well, Russell Westbrook does well. So you don't need more of it. Now, Rob, you've been shaking your head. You concur with Spencer yeah. and later Tom? Yeah. I, I can't see Westbrook in the purple and gold as being a good fit. Like Spencer said, there's too much overlapping of talent. He needs the ball in his hands a little too much. And I can see it now in the, you know, in the end of the game. You're trying to get the ball to LeBron and AD, and Westbrook guy is right there in in, in one of those guys' lap because they, they they're not worried about you know him knocking down shots. So he's still a great talent and an all star. I mean, it would take a great coach to figure out a way to uh, incorporate him with the Lakers, and I don't think we have that coach that could figure it out and do it. Maybe if we had somebody like a Larry Brown or somebody that can give Westbrook the play the way he would need to play with the Lakers. And it might be worth that gamble, but yeah, not, not as we're currently uh, constructed. I agree. I just think it would be too hard of a fit. Plus you're creating a situation where the, the shooting is just become even worse and you need to start opening up a little. And we see even tonight, even when you are shooting well, there are issues there, but still to me, it just makes it a lot easier for you. If you have shooters out there that can open up the space for LeBron and AD I think this would have been the type of game where maybe LeBron and AD could have taken advantage of a situation where they would be hitting in places where Phoenix obviously wasn't. So I don't know. It just, it seems to me like that would be a hard fit 
for Russell Westbrook to become part of the Lakers. Uh, but I'm not going to say it's out of the realm of possibility because that's the type of thing that garners headlines during the offseason. That's the kind of thing that builds momentum. So I'm not going to put it out of the realm of possibility, but I certainly don't think that would be the best option for the team as well. But guys, there's more to talk about on today's program. Again, Team USA in turmoil as we head over to Tokyo, where unfortunately Bradley Beal has bowed out of the Olympics. And I feel bad for him because he was really looking forward to this due to health and safety protocols. Also, Kevin Love in a total non-shocker. was a shocker that he was actually on the team, but a non-shocker that he realized he was not in good enough shape to actually play on Team USA and admitted that when he bowed out. So they were looking around, and they asked a lot of individuals who are probably somewhere out there vacationing somewhere in the world, Mediterranean, Greece, Italy, there's somewhere out there. Those players are out there. Watch out for them. But then there's also the individuals that they tried to do find and say, you know what, are you in shape enough to go ahead and play for Team USA? And Keldon Johnson – Good player. I think he was on the team select team that was uh, practicing and scrimmaging against Team USA. So they got a chance to really good look to go ahead and and check him out. And I know his affinity with Greg Popovich, coach of the U.S. team, helped him get onto this team. So he was selected on the team. But to Laker Tom's surprise, I'm sure the second name on that list was somebody that is always talked about on this program. And that's JaVale McKee. So, Laker Tom, I'm going to start with you first. I got to admit, I was surprised. Of all the individuals that were out there that weren't vacationing, that were ready to go and play for Team USA, the name I did not think I would see being added onto the roster was JaVale McGee. Well, congratulations to JaVale. You know, I, listen, I, I've always liked JaVale as a, as a player, as a character. He's at various times uh, – uh, been a valuable player on the Lakers, and I'll always be grateful for that. I just am not a fan of low post defensive centers. Basically, I, I think that they they hinder you in a modern game and so forth. But I would say though that that it does make sense because that's one of the weaknesses that that team has that they don't really have any any rim protection or vertical threat, you know, underneath the basket, and uh, uh, that's something that. That can help them against the Europeans. How many fouls are allowed for? Five I think fouls for the game. FIBA rules. FIBA? Okay. You, file out, you foul out at five. Okay. All right. But they allow a lot more hand checking and yeah, physicality. That's yeah, that's true. That's true. It's, but in summer league, it's 10. I remember that. But yeah, five then. Well, we'll see what JaVale McGee can do in his limited amount of time. But you're right. As far as a individual out there that can provide some shot blocking presence that could be a capability if he gets off the bench but he will probably be the one of the latter options on the team but Spencer I want to ask you with these additions of Keldon Johnson and Spencer Young and out goes Kevin Love and Bradley Bill not exactly the trade-off you were expecting is your hopes for the U.S. Olympic team still there do you think they're still going to pull it off I mean they're still a betting favorite but those odds are getting a little bit closer and closer I mean, like you said, I was, I was shocked that JaVale McGee was named. I had to look at it a second time. Yeah, so, so did I. Because cause I saw names like Tobias Harris, Trey Young. Um, I mean, sure, they, they might have been resting up for the playoffs, but in no scenario did I see them 
going to like a role player center, but I mean, it's fine. I think the players to get from the finals, um, Holiday, Middleton, Booker, I, yeah, I think that's it. I think those three would raise my level of optimism, so I still think they'll be fine. Okay, all right. Uh, L. Rob, your Olympic viewing package with Peacock, I'm sure, is in detail right there for you. Getting ready to go ahead and check out everything on NBC and Peacock, <laughs> as I see you smiling there. But your thoughts as JaVale McGee and Keldon Johnson join Team USA, are you still confident on a gold for the red, white, and blue? Far from it. So, yeah, and this did not did nothing to bolster my confidence in the U.S. ability to win. Kind of reminds me of that two, two, I think it was 2014 that I think they won bronze, or they maybe came in fifth with LeBron and I think Iris. I mean, they were. That's when Kobe had come back and kind of showed them how to win the uh, to win the gold. So, yeah, this team is uh, definitely not something I would would bet on winning it. So they got a lot of work to do, and uh, and I don't know if adding Javale is going to help much. But I guess Javale is trying to match his mom. I got to give a shout out to Flint Town here, Pam McGee, Pam and Paula, your alma mater, right, Jero? Uh, actually, yes. USC. Yes, USC. I yep. Pam, I yeah, I believe they won a couple. And I yes. believe she won a WNBA championship and then won uh, gold as well. So that I guess is correct. He's trying. If he can bring home the gold, he will match his mom since he'll have a couple NBA championships and a, and a gold. So, you know, I'll be rooting for him and good for him. Good for him. But, yeah, they, they have their work cut out for him. So. Okay, so he's just trying to catch up at the dinner table. So make it. sure he has That's enough it. jewelry. Yeah, he okay. got, he's got to he got to surpass mine. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. But yeah, the McGee twins were great, very underrated in the the annals of basketball history. Period. I mean, you know, I always talk about Cheryl Miller, Lisa Leslie, and, and you know, obviously Diana Taurasi, who was in the new movie Space Jam: A New Legacy, which we'll talk about here in a sec. But yes, uh, I'm. I am still kind of nervous myself after the showing so far. I know they had to cancel one game due to COVID protocols against Australia. I think they have one more game that I think they're going to play on Sunday before they head on out to Tokyo. So we'll see what happens there. But I am concerned for Team USA. I do not share the same confidence some others have in them. I I still think they should be the favorite for gold, but I think that gap is very, very small between – them yeah exactly them and everybody else so there is no room for error i think with team usa on this current timeout they've got to stop doing iso ball as much they got to start playing more of a team game and it's so funny because that three-point area international is shorter it's in between where a college and where a pro game is sits so you think it's closer it should be easier right but for some reason it seems to freak out most of the Americans when they play it if you're not named Carmelo Anthony. So maybe they should have brought him back because he always seems to hit from the international three. He's done his best work for the Olympics. And I yeah, He's absolutely. got a great NBA career, but uh, I mean, his best accomplishments have been in the Olympics. I think if the international three was the three by the NBA, Carmelo would be the all-time leading scorer because he absolutely could not miss from the international three. That's always... Always saw him chucking it up and always just making it from there. I just absolutely love that that closer range. But 
be that as it may, we'll see what happens in the not too distant future. And we'll report on the ongoings of team USA in the Olympics here at the Lakers fast break. But guys, LeBron, I, I'm assuming he was there visiting or was it an ABC plant because of what's going on? Or maybe Warner brothers wanted to go ahead and have him there, which usually is the case when you're promoting a movie, but space jam, a new legacy hit theaters and is actually projected in a surprise to beat Black Widow by the end of the weekend as the number one box office movie in North America and in many countries around the world. So big hit for LeBron, I think garnering over a $30 million haul, which is going to be the largest largest family-oriented film of the pandemic. So kudos to LeBron. The reviews have not been very kind. In fact, right now it's averaging a thing around 36 or 37 on Metacritic out of 100. So that's not good. And then I think the Rotten Tomatoes say 40, under 40% or right around 40% of the reviews are positive. I can tell you I have seen the movie. Have any of you guys else checked out the movie as well this weekend? I see three heads shaking. So I'll just leave it at this. Uh, I will have more to say on it on the Monday show for the Pop Culture Cosmos. But I will say that if you're into animation, if you're an animation buff, this is cutting-edge animation that they used. It, it took all your favorite characters from the Warner Brothers Looney Tunes regime and really did a number on them, really helped spice it up. It shows you what the animation will look like in the future. It is a moving, walking, running, jumping commercial for everything Warner Brothers. So if you ever wondered what was in the library for Warner Brothers – as far as the IPs it has, whether it's Harry Potter, The Matrix, and so much more, all that stuff there, you will see it time and time again, plastered in front of your face. The story itself uh, tries to evoke a lot of that same, I guess, uh, importance as far as a basketball game that they did with Michael Jordan's Space Jam 25 years ago. It doesn't resonate as well. I think that's the problem. I think Don Cheadle was enjoying himself standing in front of a green screen being the evil for two hours he, and he was the, actually one of the best parts out of it lebron all i'll say is this uh it wasn't train wrecked for him uh if people remember the movie and his appearance there he was very lauded for that performance he will not be lauded for this performance there are some other issues I had with it but overall the animation style i think was really really something to see but I give it an okay. I give the movie an okay, eh? Because again, the forever how many lapses the story had, the animation for me more than made up for it. So there you go, there you go. But I can see why people are dumping on this film if you're not a big fan of it. So just we'll say that. But yes, if you are into great animation or you want to just see how they thought of Space Jam in a new time span and a new generation, go ahead and check out Space Jam. New Legacy, that's available on HBO Max and also theaters as well. So, guys, that was my tit for tat right there on Space Jam and New Legacy. Are you any of you guys going to go check it out at least? <sighs> Maybe? <clears throat> probably not. Probably not? No. Not no? Eventually, maybe. Just eventually, but not, uh, probably not anytime soon with me. Spencer, no? Not resonating with no. Why not? I, I guess I'll I'll go. <laughs> Spencer is a young man. He's a young guy. He, he he'll check it out. 
Old geezers like me and Tom, yeah, it's hard for us to, yeah. All right. Well, again, it's it's got some, I guess, some positives in it. Don Cheeto was really, really cool. He seemed to enjoy himself. I was a big fan of Cheeto. But he more than makes up for it in uh, Space Jam, A New Legacy, because he carried the film to whatever respectability it's got. But, yes, that's Space Jam, A New Legacy. But, guys, before we head on out, I wanted to go ahead and talk a little bit about P.J. Tucker. You saw him tonight in Game 5, Crucial Game 5, guarding Devin Booker the predominant amount of time. He usually picks up one of the best defensive assignments that are out there. He's he's relied upon a lot. Kind of gets lost on offense. Does still hit the corner jumper every now and then. But he's not counted on too much in the offensive end. But the thing is, I'm hearing more and more, and I'm also reading more and more, about rumors that he might become or be interested in joining the Lakers with the MLE. So I want to hear your thoughts, Laker Tom, L. Rob, and Spencer Young, on this. First off, I will go to you, L. Rob. P.J. Tucker, he has done an outstanding job, but he is 36, if I'm not mistaken. And if that's the case, you would be have to probably sign him for a maybe a, a multi-year contract because that's probably what he'll be looking for in free agency. Your thoughts on P.J. Tucker signing possibly with the Lakers? I'm sorry. I'm just uh, – I'm not the one to go out and get guys that's, you know, that long in the tooth. So P.J. can still defend if he want to come over for a veteran's minimum and somebody that we can plug in to play 10 or 15 minutes of, of tough defense. I mean, he's not the defender he once was. And at that age, you know, he's not getting any better. So, no, I would pass on, on P.J. He, he gives everything he has. He just doesn't have it anymore. I mean, is he really impacting Devin Booker game? I think Booker was slowed down some when they finally switched Holiday onto him. And then um, I believe that Chris Paul, even on that last drive to cut it to one, I think that was, I think that was on P.J., he attacked PJ's body and scored on him. Yeah, when Drew was helping out and got the steal, he was doing it off ball. He he was going. He came from off ball, and PJ Tucker was was the man he was going against him. Yeah, in, I mean, he was still a very good position defender, but no, I, I no, I, I want to get I want to get younger. I mean, you're already going to have LeBron who's long in two. So no, give me somebody with a little more youth and athleticism. Unless PJ just wants to come along and and. And, you know, he's going to just take a bet minimum, but no, I don't want to use my exception for him. Laker Tom, I agree with L. Rob on this. I think that's the case. That if they do go after him, it would be uh, – I don't actually think he'll end up being on the Lakers because he's going to be looking for the summer, a two-year deal, probably looking at somewhere in the MLE. I think he's going to think that he has a lot more time left than what some others are estimating. Your thoughts on spending that kind of money – for P.J. Tucker, because I don't think he'll be signing for the minimum. I think there might be a situation where he signs with a team, and then, like what happened this year, he gets cut because he has to get cut, and then he gets signed by the minimum for the Milwaukee. But that's that's a different story altogether. But you think he would be of interest for the Lakers? Well, first off, he's going to win a championship very likely. <laughs> Which, he doesn't uh, need a ring chase. 
So he doesn't need to ring chase, which can affect the decision that, that he makes in a situation. I'm actually in love with the idea of um, B.J. Tucker and the Lakers. One of the things that I think is the biggest offshoot of this news that Mark Stein broke about the Lakers looking for a looking for a real difference maker, playmaker at the one so that they can move LeBron to the four and 80 to the five. It opens up the opportunity for more shooting and defense to be put in the lineup then than we could get with anybody that that would we'd plug in at center, you know. Uh, because already then you have the best power forward and the best center in the business. And if you, if you match them, it, it all depends. I mean, I could see a scenario where the Lakers brought Lonzo Ball in on a sign and trade. And because it's a sign and trade, it would hard cap them. Uh, and I could see that as long as they had Ball, who's a prolific three-point shooter, maybe now's the time to throw Horton Tucker in there at the two. Say, you know, let's prove that you can be a star. Because and give them the minutes and the opportunity to do it, and you get PJ Tucker for the MLE, and it's going to be the taxpayer MLE or the full MLE, which hard caps you also, because it's nine point seven million. He's not going to sign for six point eight million. Then you got a three, a four, and a five that are actually interchangeable. Each one of them can guard five, can guard one to five, and can guard all three levels. So it's it's the core of a, and, and you add Lonzo in there. Even though Talon hasn't shown, I, I constantly see him getting beat by a quicker players. And sometimes it takes him time to get that long lumber body, you know, to move and to, to follow a player. So he can't, he's not, the, he's not the type of guy that can hug somebody like a cornerback and stay with every move they make. But he's got this exceptional length and he's got, you know, uh, and he's, and he's exceptionally strong. And when you put his size and, and Lonzo's size together along with uh, with P.J. Tucker, LeBron, and A.D., I mean, I think you have a monster lineup. Well, I would, uh, something going back to what we talked about on a previous program with Lonzo Ball, he still doesn't love to go to the rim. He, as you look at the number of free throw attempts, he, yeah, his free throw percentage went up, but he still only attempts one free throw a game. So that tells me that that's not good. He's still scared of going into the rim. So he's going to be playing mainly on the outside for you and playmaking from the perimeter. So that's something you're going to have to count on because he does not like to go inside, no matter how well his free throw percentage is going up. Yeah, but he takes it. He takes and makes a high percentage of eight th- over eight threes a game. Yeah, I know. And that's and, something you want. And he's, he's, he's a great low, and he's a, he's a great – he can defend the one, two, three – Sometimes even a four. He's got the size to do it and the strength to do it. I think he's, you know, he's got exceptional potential as a playmaker, but mostly he's really adaptable. We can plug him into whatever we want to do. Good size. I think there's a good chance that the Lakers may decide that they, that, that he's not good enough for them to hard cap themselves. I think that's a logical step that a general manager that, that Rob Palenka could make in that situation. But I also think if, if they, if I knew, if I knew, for example, that I could get PJ Tucker for the MLE along with LeBron and AD, to, that's a three, four, and a five. And, and uh, let's say we knew that we had Horton Tucker maybe for a 10 million a year raise, you know, uh, to re sign him so that we had those locked up and all we needed was a point guard. To have could, what could be a, a really dynamic defensive, you know, juggernaut 
of a defensive team. And and with size, I mean, who nobody in the league has three guys who can really cover all five positions. That's really exceptional. So, TJ, you know, he's 36. It's a gamble. Yeah, it's a win now LeBron move. But it is. No, that's what we're talking about. That's one of the reasons they're playing LeBron at the four and AD at the five this year, because they realize that window's shutting down fast. Yep. I'll say that. You got to go for it at that point in time. But I'm not sure PJ Tucker. $50 million in luxury taxes. Yeah, but I'm not sure PJ Tucker at the MLE is the answer. But Spencer, we've had one with Elrod. Well, the MLE is the only answer you'd get if you hard capped. Well, I'm just saying, instead of, you know, if he wants the MLE, I'm not sure signing him at that is the answer. But Spencer Young wanted to ask you before we uh, go ahead and check out what you're doing at, at Basketball University. Wanted to ask you this Is PJ Tucker worth the MLE to the Los Angeles Lakers? I think his personally, like, I, I think he's declined uh, pretty significantly this year uh, compared to his Rockets days. And I, I'd say his value is closer to the biannual exception, which I know we don't have. But I think, like, hypothetically, that's the amount I'd rather Well, you know, we have it. It just belongs to Eluol Dang. That's all. <laughs> Like, I, I agree with Laker Tom from the standpoint of, like, I think we need one more 3 and D player to round out our best lineups because even in 2020, our best lineups usually were three guards, LeBron, and AD. So you're missing one extra wing. And then this year, uh, well, I guess it's debatable where our best lineups were because we had so many centers out there the whole game. But, yeah, I, I, I think he's – a good fit, but I don't think he's worth the MLE. And he, you know, he, he was like reportedly irate with the Rockets. So over not getting a contract extension at 36 years old. So I think you alluded to this. We'd have to offer him a multi-year deal, which I wouldn't want to do. And I guess the like final part that would lead me to say now is that I'd rather, if we're going to be hard capped, I'd rather just throw the MLE at like Otto Porter Jr., who I think you know, he's a better shooter, he's younger, he's more athletic. So, you know, if I'm giving a multi-year deal, I'm giving it to someone else. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. My last movie that I saw in the theaters was The Last Skywalker. I know. Condolences to me. Wow, man. Right. I I just had talked about that, and I completely forgot that I saw that movie. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't speak great things about it, I suppose. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. PJ Tucker is not someone who's going to chuck up eight threes a game. That's the one thing you like. You like shooters that are going to put it up a lot, and you know PJ Tucker three, four times a game max. You know, and and that's really outside of his comfort zone. That's all you can afford if you if you hard cap yourself with Lonzo. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. the problem. You can't afford Terry Brazier. You can't afford Buddy Heald at that point in time. That they'll throw you over the hard cap. 
And and so and the only revenue you have is the MLE. Fortunately, you'd have the full MLE since you're hard cap from the sign and trade. So who else would you consider with a full MLE? What other candidate with a full MLE could fill that three slot? Otto Porter Jr. I think is excellent. I know yeah, we've if, you take it, if you take it, it'd be a godsend. Yes, I think that's something that they do strongly need to consider if, if he's willing to take it, because I think he needs to go ahead and have a rejuvenation of his own. He's right now not as well thought of as he once was, but he's not that far removed from having a great season that he had. So you could get a situation where he could be using the Lakers much as the Lakers are using him to work on their next contract, whether it's with the Lakers or somebody else. And I think that's what he should be doing right now. And maybe signing cheaper with the Lakers could be the answer. If he's an integral mm-hmm. part of a Lakers championship run, as you might see with PJ Tucker this summer, that might be a lot of money that's coming your way. People kid out there and have, why would they want to sign a 36 year old to a multi-year contract with PJ Tucker? But if you're coming off of a championship team, where you're a starter playing defense on the key offensive player for the other team, even at 36, people are going to be attracted to that. Teams are going to be attracted to that. So even if L. Rob and, and Spencer and I disagree with that, I'm not going to put it out of the realm of possibility for the Lakers that they could get seduced by that. And all it takes is a conversation from LeBron or maybe watching him today at Phoenix as he was there in the stands, that's might be one of the things that would take, you know, at this point, I'm not out of the realm of possibility of doing one of those deals where it could be on the verge of great choice for the MLE or a head shaking one. But I definitely think Otto Porter Jr. Or maybe another choice would be a better route to go. I don't think there's any other better, more affordable choices. You know, it changes if the big, the big question for me about what the Lakers are going to do this summer that totally determines what happens after they make their first big trade is point guards. And you basically have to split them into two categories. On the one side, you got the guys who are free agents and and for free agency, they cost more than the MLE. And every one of those guys is going to hard cap you, which is going to create a problem finding somebody for the two and three, unless you really believe that THT and, and Kuzma can be that solution, which I don't. On the other side, you have, point guards who are under contract with somebody and they're hopefully, let's say they're available on the market. Maybe it's a Malcolm Brogdon. Maybe it's a Terry Rozier. Maybe, maybe it's even a Russell Westbrook. I mean, these are guys that, that actually have contracts that you can trade for them. You can go, we can go over the cap with it. We can, we can use Schroeder. We can use Harrell as part of our, our tradable assets. But the question is, is there anybody among those point guards that's really available, I guess I'd have to say Brogdon would probably be the top choice. That would be mine. But if Brogdon wasn't available, what's who would be probably the next choice that we'd have? Who'd be comparable, let's say, at least in the same ballpark generally as Lonzo or Lowry, both of whom have real positives that they, they bring to the table? What if we could actually get, like we were talking about on one of last week's shows, Brogdon healed in your backcourt and get Otto Porter Jr. as your three. Would you be more well, you could, that? you could do that if you can get the first two. You could. You still have the MLE available. Mm-hmm. And you still have trade assets available, depending on what you gave up, you know, to get them. I mean, there's, there's a much – it's a $50 million route 
okay? Yeah. 30, 40, 50 million, it'll be somewhere in there in luxury taxes if you go that route. You know, you can end up with a better team. The big question is, could you win a championship with the other route if you got Lowry? If you got Lowry, let's say, let's say you got Lowry and you got P.J. Tucker. Adding those two, could you win it? I mean, it's not a team built for the future. That's for sure. Both guys are at the end of their career, along with LeBron. But for the next two years, when you're going with LeBron's last two years, maybe, that's not a bad bet. I mean, I could, I could, as a general manager, I could see talking myself into it, especially if the alternative cost me $50 million more and wasn't any, wasn't any sure than rolling a, rolling this set of dice or rolling that set of dice, to be honest. Injuries and so many other things, you know, factor in to, to make it. But who else, who else after Malcolm Brogdon do either of you three think would be a candidate? That we could trade for. That's All right. Weird. Anybody here that you got in your eye on? Yeah, I've kind of got my heart set on Lonzo, actually. So I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping they go all in and try and bring Lonzo back. Um, I think it'd be great. Not really. I don't. I'm, I'm not the guru that the rest of you guys are on as far as the free agency, and I really don't. I haven't locked in on it like as much as you guys have. So I'm going to defer to to you three on on that i personally would like to see if they've got brogdon and healed in the backcourt along with if they could somehow manage to pull off getting that and porter as a three you've got length you've got size you've got people who want to jack up shots from the three and you've got people that can hit 35 40 percent from three so i think that that solves a lot of issues who plays good enough defense that's an also thing is they're not sieves on defense but spencer your thoughts? I mean, would you go old or would you go young? I mean, I, I would go in between and take Malcolm Brogdon as my first choice. Like, I've, I've said that consistently. But even even if, like, I have to push so many assets towards Malcolm Brogdon and that KCP still my starting shooting guard, I would still go for it. But I think Lonzo, it's, it's just a tough proposition because he's a restricted free agent. So you're not... You're not really paying him market value. You have to overpay to the point that New Orleans is okay letting him go and you're being hard capped. So it, it, it's just a tough sell for me on Lonzo. And depends I, what you gotta pay for him is what it comes down yeah, to. Yeah, it really yeah. does. I think Low Low I mean a team with Lowry, LeBron, A D, PJ Tucker, and then mostly Beth Mins, I, I would take it. I still I think there's a there's a lot of potential, but it wouldn't be my number one choice, I guess. But we'll we'll see in the coming months. It's there's so many variables that go into this, right? How how important is a third star to you, Spencer? To me, it's really critical. The thing is, you have two top five talents, so it's lessened to a degree. But yes, I understand that if Kyle Lowry is on the Lakers, there's a strong chance for for playing right now, right? So I, I won't undersell the importance, but at the same time, I'll keep in consideration that you have you have two top five players, so you don't necessarily have to build toward third star. Here's an interesting here's an interesting question that's sort of related to this whole thing. All of a sudden, we have a young man on the team, Kyle Kuzma, who everybody's already traded, simply because his starting position, which is small forward or power forward 
currently, at least this year, we're manned by our two superstars, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Well, next year, they're going to play four and five. All of a sudden, the three is open, which is his most natural position. Could he be an option to be the, one of the guys who start next year? He averaged over 20 points per game as a starter. He's improved his defense dramatically, his playmaking. He knows the system. He's trustworthy to defend. He's maybe our best defender as far as a wing defender, assuming that we don't get a P.J. Tucker or, or Jay Crowder or somebody like that. That's what we need. We need a guy like that to guard Kawhi's and the Paul Georges and, and uh, the Kevin Durant's and so forth. What do you think about the possibility that one of the changes of the four or five front court superstars could be a spot for Kyle Kuzma to start? I think that's your last option. Uh, yeah, I don't actually think small forward's like his best position. I know Agreed. we've had to like push him there, but I think. How about shooting guard? Okay, that's. <laughs> Remember, this is the guy that we wanted to play small ball center two yeah. summers ago. No, I'm sure I've, I've already traded him eighty times. Yeah, he's traded himself off of Instagram. He, he's the most the traded off of Instagram. He's the most Instagram traded player in my timeline. There's no doubt about it. But he's, I, the it, most, he's the most valuable chip we have. He's also not consistent from the three. He may get there yeah. one day, and if he mm-hmm. does, it's probably going to be after he leaves the lake. It'll be for another team, yeah. unfortunately. And that's the problem. That yeah. lies, you know, you've got to produce with well, the Well, I'd much rather have Buddy Heal than him, for example. Well, there so, you, you know. go. I think you just answered your own question there. The, prob- the only problem is is that you, you, can't, you can't have Lonzo and – or Lowry, and still be able to have board Buddy Eels. It just doesn't work. That's why I like Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon is the type of guy that in the playoffs could be really solid for you and make those good decisions and those smart decisions. Well, and you don't hard cap yourself. He'd be, yeah. They should go after him like a I, – I, I'm almost like where Spencer is, man. Whatever you got to throw at him to get him to trade him. Yeah. Do it, and he, you know, and give he'll, him whatever he wants. You would still have the opportunity to get healed who – can shoot you in right. a game and shoot you, you know, get yep. what eight threes you get for you. And Rozier, you yeah. get another three point shooter, and all of a sudden you're in a modern offense. Otto Porter, if he you get him with the MLE, that would be tremendous. Getting him as a three right there for you, long, good reach. If you got a playoff team, they usually magically stay a lot healthier than when they're on, let's say, the Chicago struggling Bulls right now. So yeah, yeah. Also, so, too, it's. You notice or they're that playing for a contract. I'm kind of interested in what I, I haven't seen this anywhere, which is a graph that would show you the people that have had major injuries this year, what their age is. Because I'm wondering how much of it is older guys versus the younger legs that you have and thinking about a future that's still not going to be, it doesn't appear to be unpandemic. I mean, we're still going to be living in a pandemic world. And, you know, I mean, Giannis's brother's out for contact tracing right now. What if that was Giannis in the finals at this point? I mean, my God, what a nightmare. I mean, younger players seem to be less prone to having yeah, but then we problems. See, but then we see what is Chris Paul. Chris Paul's playing. Yeah, right. And he's been hurt. He still plays through it. I mean, P.J. Tucker, yeah. we just finished talking about. How, how old right. is he? I don't know. You know, I mean, it's 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 a difficult season because it's like it's like the question: Do you trade THT or don't you trade him? Um, He's really your second best asset, at probably after after Kuzma. 
Well, you've while well, you've had Kuzma traded eighty times. Did you hear me and Raphael? Anyways, did you hear that show? I haven't had a chance to hear it yet. Oh I, my I, gosh! I, I listened, you know, twice. I started the other day and I listened. I listened to Raphael's top five picks. You, you um, give top five picks. That's another one of his shows. Yeah, that's right. I hadn't had a chance to click on the last. I haven't listened to either of the last few shows. He didn't even read the article for my mock draft, which I debuted on his site exclusively. Didn't put it on mine. Didn't put it on the hoopheadspodcast.com site. I put it on his and advertised his on a nationally known show. And this is the kind of respect I I get. I'll watch it tomorrow morning. (sighs) (sighs) I, I swear. But guys, before we end on that, no worries, Lickert. No worries. You give the guy some pub, and this is what he does. But anyways, before we head on out, I wanted to go ahead and make sure everybody goes ahead and checks out, again, my conversation with Rafael Barlow on Locked On NBA Draft. It's a great show that he does twice a week, and I was on the most recent episode. But you also can check out exclusively for only a little while longer, Lakerholics.com. You're right, Spencer. I think I might just do that. I think I might just do that after the betrayal I got from Laker Tom. I might. You might see mock draft 5.0 on Basketball University first. There you go. There you go. But guys, before we head on out, L. Rob, I want to make sure and thank you so much for coming back on by popular demand. I didn't know there were so many L. Rob fans out there, but over the course of the past couple of weeks, where's L. Rob? I'm on the, with Lee Montville, award-winning writer Lee Montville. I'm having a great interview with him, and I see all of a sudden in comments, where's Elrob? And I'm going, oh, my gosh, I'm having a conversation. Then don't worry about Elrob. So, Elrob, thank you He's so much. He's not getting engaged, man. Well, you know what? Thank you so much for coming back on again. Great to have you on once one more time. Looking forward to have you on, hopefully, for game six. Is that a possibility? That's a possibility. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yes, I have been a little busy, so I do I do miss being on with you guys, and uh, uh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. I do want to say this, though. I do not think there has been an NBA champion that has started two guys 35-plus. I could be wrong. I don't think uh, – I think the closest – May have been. I know Duncan was about 37 when he won, but Manu probably was 35, 36, but he didn't start. Yeah, the Lakers only had Morris when he was playing, or their stars, they only had just uh, LeBron at about yeah. 35. Uh, I'm talking about starting, not. not yeah, yeah, starting. Yeah, because Morris came off. Morris started, I think, in one game, but he's only 32. Yeah, so when you get Laurie or PJ and those guys, it will be a record. It will be, I mean, and you guys talking about having three guys in the lineup. <laughs> oh boy, that's a scary proposition. To even mm. what even in the old days, Wilt was they come off the banana Russell might have been thirty-five. Jones, that might have been the last time two guys that was close to thirty-five played an important role. So just cautioning you guys to, mm-hmm. to wanting all of these guys. It's, it's, it hasn't proven to be a recipe for success. So, well, what, what happened when up. we got Carl Malone and all those guys? And all yeah, that did. Yeah. We, we, all yeah. of those times we got these old veterans coming aboard who are going to take us to new championship rounds. Well, if it wasn't for Carl Malone getting hurt, 
and Gary right. Payton getting hurt. Well, you know, I that know everybody says that all the time, man. Yeah, but that's yeah, the whole when, when you're that old, the chances increases that you, you will be. You have a lot more chance yeah. of getting hurt and uh, taking a lot longer to come back. So. Yeah, that's anyway, true. That's just my two cents. So. Well, Al Rob, great to have you back. Again, congratulations. I have one bit of advice for you, though. Do not let Jamie Sweet take care of your bachelor party. Okay. At least. You know, the way the man was driving the other day while he was on the air was, yeah, he's the guy you do not want running your bachelor party. He'll volunteer. He'll volunteer. Thank you. I'll keep Jamie in the dark on everything. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough, indeed. But Spencer, you do such a great job at a place where I will probably, in fact, I'm going to do it. I'm going to debut my mock draft 5.0 because I have to now do it because they just announced with Jared Butler being cleared to play, he's going to go back into my mock draft. So my next mock draft, I will debut and send over to you because I just got dissed by Laker Tom, but I will go ahead and send it over to you at the great site, medium.com slash basketball dash university. Besides a pending mock draft coming your way, what else you got planned at basketball university? Well, I mean, I guess I didn't expect to be writing about the bucks potentially winning the finals, but looks like that's going to be the outcome i just published an article about yeah i know you predicted it all along which is amazing not yet not yet i'm not going to count my chickens before they hatch so i just published an article about um the the like new rule changes involving foul baiting which you know, if you if you ever want to see an example, of Calder, just like please, please, the NBA Finals and watch Chris Paul. But yep, um, yeah, I did. I did a pretty comprehensive breakdown of like the ways people drop fouls and how the rule change might work. And yeah, I guess we'll finish out the NBA Finals since you know hopefully we're, we're gonna have more draft content than just your mock draft and within the free agency. One thing I do want to mention before we get to Laker Tom pitching Lakerholics.com is one thing that Jeff Van Gundy noted tonight was that they have not been calling defensive or offensive three seconds at all in the playoffs. He actually mentioned that it's been over a month for both. In fact, they only called, I think, what was it, offensive three seconds one time in the playoffs entirely, and the other one, defensive three seconds, they've only called, They last time they called it was June 14th if that memory serves. So seeing that they need to go ahead and say, is this going to be a thing or is it not going to be a thing going forward? And then the last thing is they do need to go ahead and take care of this 10 second rule with free throwing. It's now, it's just, it's ridiculous having the fans going ahead in chorus time and time again, you need to have them stop it because the fact is they're going to keep on mocking Giannis. And and the only reason they're doing that is because, making them. Well, no, until the referees start mm-hmm. calling the 10 second rule. I think that's that's the thing. If they, they call the 10-second rule on him on more than one occasion, that stops it. That tells him he needs to hurry up, and it, it's, it's becoming a joke. To, I mean, it's great fan interaction, but still, I think it's it's a joke of the NBA that they haven't done that yet because, you know, you can say that they're counting too fast. The fact is they're counting it for a reason. It's because you're letting Giannis Atentacumpo do that, and if you don't let other players do that as well, then you're favoriting Giannis. And that's the thing. Are you going to let all these players go ahead and go over 10 seconds to free throw? It just, it speed up the game. 
count it the rule the way it needs to be counted. That to me is just it, it's quite simple. But Spencer, well, for all the... Spencer's really addressed the whole issue in his article because basically yeah. a lot of it is just the difference in how they treat fouls on the perimeter and fouls on the low post. And it's, it's not just that they treat them differently. It's that they they treat you differently if you're a low post player versus a perimeter player. So a perimeter player can get bumped even the slightest, even when he's down underneath the basket, driving to the basket. And it's a foul. That's the James Harden. It's the James Harden rule. And yet a big man like LeBron or like Giannis, basically, when he drives to the rim and there's collisions, Basically, he always gets the benefit because he's an offensive player. It's the it's the new rule of basically eliminate the guy like Harden does, where you veer on a on a euro step, where the euro step is intended just to get contact, so you get a three point opportunity, you know. And and the jump shooters who jump sideways to, to run into the defender when they're shooting, you know, three point shots. That's all going to go away, hopefully, with the new rules. Well, we'll see what happens there. I'd love to see the new rules implemented, but also these rules that they have in place implemented, period, and not taken advantage of continuously time in, time out. Why have these rules in place if you don't even call them when they're egregiously taken advantage of by a team or by a player? What about the flop rules? Wasn't it supposed to get penalties for flopping? I mean, that kind of went away. Yeah, exactly. Middleton had a great flop tonight, man. Well, he, got, he, had to, he had to do that, though. He got smacked in the face twice. Right, but it was like, like three seconds. He went, down, it was like one, two, three, and then he, he reacted as if he was But slapped. then again, how much different is that from what Crowder did on two occasions in game four? Oh, my eye. Well, one of them, you could clearly see are, it was like. The it soccer was like, players who are the real fault for this entire situation. Yeah, you're right. Man. You're right. They're, they're, they're pretty egregious <laughs> overseas on soccer, yes. And in fact, it's it got like to the point. Those three seconds that it took me to decide to fake that foul didn't really happen. Yeah, it got to the point now where it's bleeded over into American soccer. I was coaching soccer with my daughter's teams back when they were younger. And yeah, there was a critical playoff game we were having. And the kid on the other end of the team, their star player, went down with an apparent injury, quote unquote, <laughs> and basically stopped the ball while we had it. And they got the ball back, yeah, and it led to them being victorious by one. So it's something that is egregious, but you don't know when the split second if somebody's acting, somebody's not. I mean, these replays tell us you could like with with Crowder, you could see at least one of the occasions where he didn't even get touched. So yeah, it, it's right. just something. It's it's really bad. They call them veteran plays, so I'll leave that from there. But Laker Tom, you're doing some great things with Lakerholics.com. So please let us know what articles you got planned in store for us at Lakerholics.com. Well, I'm I'm in the middle of writing uh, some articles on what the Lakers should do as far as trades and free agent markets. Basically looking at the best five options for them at point guard, the best options at shooting guard, and the best options at small forward if LeBron and AD are going to play the four and five. And then how we're going to use our assets. We we basically have two trading chips in the MLE. And then we got all of these other free agents that God knows whether we can work a deal with them. So it's sort of like I'm just trying to create a a list of the pieces of the puzzle, basically, so that it's easy for people to say, well, why don't we trade for this guy, that guy, and, you know, this guy. It's like trying to even put it down into a small amount so it's like one of those games where you – for $15, you build your team, you know, and you get to choose this guy from this row and two guys from this row and so forth. And as long as it 
as long as it doesn't go over fifteen dollars, you have a viable team. So there's a there's multiple pathways for the Lakers to fill up those fifteen slots that they've got, whether they hard cap themselves or don't hard cap themselves. We're two weeks away from starting to find out what's going to happen. So I think it's time to start looking at the different options that the Lakers have and be looking at the rumor mill because even though teams can't negotiate till August 2nd, they're all talking right now. Their agents are talking, the players are talking, the general managers are talking. And when in August 2nd, 12 a.m. or whatever time of day they're going to open it up, there'll be probably a half a dozen deals that will be announced right at that point in time. So funny because the league, if they think there's really some uh, egregious tampering, they'll want to ask for GM's phones or whatnot. Have a burner phone. And they can see <laughs> like an espionage movie where they're just like, okay, they make the call, they do the text, whatnot, and then they crack it and throw it in the ocean or in the trash can as they walk away. So, you know, the NBA can't track them. But check out everything that Laker Tom is doing. Hopefully the now famous Laker Tom from our, our recent podcast with Rafael Barlow at Lakerholics.com. Check out Rob's comments there, probably making fun of Laker Tom, along with Jamie Sweet at Lakerholics.com. But be part of the conversation there today at Lakerholics.com. Don't forget Spencer and all the great articles that they do at Basketball University on Medium. Once again, we will be back on Tuesday is the next game, Game 6, a crucial Game 6. Will Milwaukee take it home all the way? Will our season end? On Tuesday, we'll find out. Also want to say that Mock Draft is up in a written form at Lakerholics.com. I will be producing audio forms of the Mock Draft as well. So check that out coming up here in the coming days at Lakers Fast Break. So thank you so much for listening and watching for an extended version of Lakers Fast Break. Hopefully you will join us on Tuesday night for Game 6 for the wrap-up there. Will it be the end of the season? We'll find out. Coming up on Tuesday night, right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.